Hey everybody, uh, this is Al Condalusi, and uh, you're you're plugged into the Call Me Al podcast that's uh, uh, coordinated by the Interdependence Network. Uh, the Interdependence Network is a, uh, uh, a, a coalition of international um, advocates, all interested in social justice and opportunities for people with uh, disabilities and other devaluing realities uh, to, to, to play natural and full uh, roles in the, in the greater community. This is uh, episode two, and we're really uh, fortunate to uh, have a conversation today with uh, Jamie Curran from, uh, from Mississauga, uh, uh, Ontario, in Canada. And um, we're going to be um, having a chance to explore a little bit of what Jamie's been doing and what his organization has been doing. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Al. Great. Great to have you here. And, and uh, Jamie, can you uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself, a little quick little background so that the listeners can, uh, uh, can get a better sense of, uh, sure. of who you are? I'm, uh, my name is Jamie. I've, I've worked for Community Living Mississauga for over 20 years. I started as a part-time employee, like most people get started in the field, mm -hmm. and worked residentially. I spent some time working in our employment resource center. I worked at one of our day support programs, which we call a base site in Mississauga. Mm -hmm. And then in and around 2001, our association was preparing to go to a, through an accreditation re mm -hmm. review, and they asked me to move on to what we created as our outcome support team. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I first moved on to the outcome support team, our main job was really to interview people using quality assurance metrics and support people to write personal plans and then facilitate team meetings with their teams. Mm -hmm. So it was really our, we'd done person-centered planning for a long time leading into that, but this is our first big venture in a real organizational push towards What year process. was that, Jamie? That was in 2001. One, 2001. We'd actually done our first accreditation review in 1997. Mm -hmm. And so this was our second time going through the review. Yeah. But this time we'd really put a push on the person-centered planning. So that was really my, my main role was yeah. to write person-centered plans yeah. and facilitate team meetings. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Tell a little bit about the history of Community Living Mississauga a little bit. It's a non-profit organization. It's a non-profit organization. We support people who have an intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. We have we support right now over 3,000 people in mm -hmm. Mississauga. Wow. And we have over 450 support staff. Mm -hmm. We've been around since 1955. Wow. We have a, a large yeah. budget. We're one of the larger providers in Ontario. Like mm -hmm. Mississauga is a, a city of almost a million people now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to joke that Mississauga is the biggest city in Canada that people have never heard of. Because <laughs> we're, we're right outside of the GTA in Toronto. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of we border the, the, the Toronto. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who live in Mississauga who commute downtown to work and, mm -hmm. and back and forth. So we're a pretty large provider in our area. Now, community living uh, Mississauga is a, is a part of a larger community living system throughout yes. Ontario. There's is a provincial correct? organization, Community Living Ontario, which we are members of, mm -hmm. and then there's a national coalition of the Canadian Association for Community Living. Yeah, excellent. So it's, I'm not sure if there's a similar mm -hmm. structure and the funding, down there. The funding, the funding comes from the Ministry of Community and Social Services. Okay. The large, large chunk of our funding, and then we're, there are there are a few programs like a lot of our summer programs for children and youth are not funded by their ministry, so mm -hmm. we do private fundraising for that. Yes. So we have a manager of resource development who 
supports our association to run an annual yeah. tribute dinner and an annual golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, our golf tournament just wrapped up on Tuesday, mm -hmm. and we raised over $100,000 for children and youth programs in Mississauga. Fantastic. And uh, we've always been an association that values inclusion. Mm -hmm. So as an example, for children and youth that are supported by our association, we don't run summer programs. Mm -hmm. Children and youth attend typical support pro typical programs that are mm -hmm. offered through the city of Mississauga okay. and what this money raises is it goes towards paying for support staff for those children to attend those mm -hmm. community-based programs yeah. you know I've had the the great pleasure of, um, of visiting um, community living Mississauga and 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 your your team up there Jamie and I've always been so impressed with uh, with the passion and energy uh, that you and your colleagues uh, take toward inclusion but could you help for the listener, can you help define inclusion? What does that mean to you? How how do you how do you know somebody is included? Um, that's always such a great question because everyone will define it a little differently. Mm -hmm. And for us, when we talk about inclusion, it's just people being part of everyday life in the community. Mm -hmm. And when we do, like one of the roles I have on, in our association is doing training on personal outcome measures and training on building social capital. And one of the things we always try to relay to, especially the new staff that are starting, is that when it comes to supporting people, there's no us and them mentality. Mm -hmm. That everyone is just a person who lives in the city. Mm -hmm. And some people require more support and some people require less support. But for inclusion, just being able to be part of everything that you want to do in the community. Mm -hmm. So for us, that means ensuring that we always look to the community first when people are looking for something to do or mm -hmm. if someone identifies music mm -hmm. as, a, as a goal or an area of interest for them. Mm -hmm. We had a, a short stint where people would like music and they say, oh, they, they want to sing karaoke. Yeah. So before you knew it, you had a group of people living in one 24-hour support group home visiting mm -hmm. a group of people living in another 24-hour support group home to sing karaoke together. Mm -hmm. And they were having fun right. and singing, right. having meeting friends, mm -hmm. but it wasn't inclusive. Yes. So to be inclusive, it has to take place in the community, in an inclusive environment. Mm -hmm. So find a local pub that offers karaoke yeah. and go to that local yeah. pub. Yeah, yeah, so. It's not so simple, yet it's yeah. complex. You know, we both know the history of um, how people with disabilities especially have been treated. And there's been, you know, a lot of institutional history. Yeah. There's been congregative history where where folks with disabilities have been sort of rounded up and, and, and uh, you know, find themselves in these settings uh, that are, that are you know, benevolent and nice settings, but, but they really are exclusive. And so what you're really saying is that, that there is this sort of differential between uh, having somebody pursue what they like, but yet be, see the the community as the palette in which yes. uh, that, that activity can happen. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, especially even when it comes to professional services, like we, we don't have an on-staff speech pathologist. Mm -hmm. We don't have doctors. We don't have dentists. Like yeah. People just go out to the community and find the doctor that's close to their house that they like. Yeah. And just like you or I would go to a dentist and decide which dentist is going to do the work for us, that's what what we want to make sure people have the options yeah. to do too. That no, people have options to make choices in their community. Sure, sure. You know, a few minutes ago, we, um, you, you used the term social capital. Okay. And um, uh, can you give us your perspective of social capital and how that feeds or wh how, what role that plays 
in the inclusion process. So, mm-hmm. Social capital and what role it plays. So my idea of social capital is really simple. And I like using the, the term social capital because it gives the term some value. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The idea of having capital, it brings right. value to right. your life. But it really is just the idea that people have friends mm-hmm. and people are connected to their family and people meet other people in their community and that all those things that they do in their community bring value to their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I talk about social capital, it's just really finding out who it is that you want to spend time with mm-hmm. and supporting that person to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have anyone in their life, then we like to start with someone's interests. Like, mm-hmm. what is it that you like to do? Mm-hmm. And how can we support you to go out and do that? Mm-hmm. And I always I always find, because so many people relate to music, so I always kind of go back to music as, as an interest. And the, the example, we go back again, if somebody loves music and they love going to concerts, mm-hmm. you can spend $100 and go to a rock concert. But you're going to be with 20,000 people, mm-hmm. and they're going to stare in the same direction as you. And you're going to have a great time and hear some great music, but you're not going to meet anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone really loves music, what things that can you do where the person can go back week after week and see the same people who share that interest mm-hmm. as, as them? Mm-hmm. So it's really, it doesn't really cost any more money to support someone to build social capital. Mm-hmm. It just you have to change your, your thinking. Mm-hmm. If someone loves music, what can we do every week where they can be around other people who share that passion with them? And then over time, people are going to get to know people. So is inclusion in, then in some ways just a measurement of friends? Um, uh, just to identify who people's friends are, their social capital. And if people have a lot of friends, then the assumption is that they're included? No, I think it goes beyond that. I think... Uh, just being there doesn't mean you're included. I think mm-hmm. over time you need to be accepted as mm-hmm. part of that yeah. group and you need to know people's names and be welcomed when you come and feel welcomed yeah. when you show up. Yeah. And I think we've, we've seen that in, in Mississauga a lot of times where, where people have been a part of a group and when they first start, people are a little standoffish. Yeah. Yeah. There is a man, his name is Trung, and he, we, we discovered after supporting him for a little bit that he had a real passion for art. Mm-hmm. And through some extensive research his support staff supported him to find an art studio that really worked for him mm-hmm. and they tried five or six different studios before they found a place where he felt welcomed and com- and, and comfortable to go in and learn to paint mm-hmm. and over the course of six months a year he got to know other artists that were in the group and I think that's really one of the things we had to remind staff our support staff of when they when they start is that you're not going to show up at a group and make your best friend the first day it could take six months, it could take a year. But along the way, you're, you're going to feel included. And when you come into class, they, they know you. They say mm-hmm. hi to you. They know where your spot is in the room. Mm-hmm. They know that you have your own desk, your own workstation. Right. Right. You'll set it up and you'll paint along yeah. Yeah. other people who are similar age, sharing the same interests yeah. that you're sharing. Yeah. That's really an excellent interpretation of this challenging thing called inclusion, you know, that so often we both know we go to a lot of conferences and gatherings and we've been out there for a lot of years and and the word inclusion is bantered around all the time and, um, you know, you just sort of defined it as being acknowledged, being appreciated, being accepted, you know, you really put some dimension and some, some texture. It's really to the, it. the difference between being present in the community mm-hmm or being a part of the community. Mm-hmm. 
Because mm-hmm. anyone can be physically present yes, in the community. Yes, being in the community. In the community, but are you a part of the community yeah. around you? Yeah, yeah. That's excellent. Now, you you were giving an example of tra- Tran? Trung Tran. Trung, yeah. okay. I said his last name is Tran. Tran, yeah. okay. Trung Tran, yeah. So Trung, uh, Trung's situation sounds like it really is an interesting example of inclusion yes. and of social capital. Um, and what... what, what in terms of Trung's situation, how how much did he make that happen, or was that was the magic of that success really found around him? Like like for example, the, the where I'm going with this, Jamie, is that a lot of times in disability services, <clears throat> there's a push toward wanting to have people build social skills. And that the assumption is that if a person with disability can build these social skills, that'll be, you know, a, a bridge to lots of friends. Um, and was that, did, did that get factored in? Did you spend time in Community Living Mississauga to help Trung build social skills? Or, or uh, what was the process you used with Trung? The process we used, Trung was living at home until he was into his 40s, I mm. believe. Mm. I have all wow. the notes written down. But he lived yeah. at home with his family, and they had, had moved to Canada. Yeah. And his father had moved first, and then he brought the rest of the family over. Mm-hmm. And Trung came, came last with his mother. Yes. And I think they came from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. The correct, I, found, I'll, I apologize if I, yeah. if I got that wrong. But they first settled in Montreal and then moved to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So when he was... When he started receiving support from us, he moved into a 24-hour support model home, mm-hmm. and he didn't use a lot of words to communicate, and right. one of the things that he really loved to do was just doodle on paper, mm-hmm. and he didn't have a lot of friends. He was close right. to his family. He mm-hmm. has a couple of brothers that are very successful, and one's a doctor and one's a lawyer, mm-hmm. and he really didn't know anyone outside of that. But the staff were, the support staff were looking at ways to help him find something that he liked to do. Yeah. So they noticed that he liked to draw stuff. So they started out with just some simple adult drawing books mm-hmm. where they'd bring home and see if he liked it. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to enjoy it. So they passed that information on to the, st- the support staff that worked at one of our community-based sites. Okay. And, you know, he seems to really like to draw. And mm-hmm. so they had an art class, oh. which he really liked. So once This they, was an art class in, in, the, in the base site. Right, well, just it. to kind of try out and sure, see what sure. he, what he sure. liked to do. And, and what uh, they found out was that he really liked to draw. And his first mm-hmm. picture was just a picture of a face with mm-hmm. a smile. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's me. Mm. So they took that and they went and they supported Trung to look around at different art studios. So it was really, it was something he indicated through some of his actions that he really liked to draw and his staff picked up on that and they went with him and supported him to visit all these different art studios. Mm. And one was in the front of, a, of an art supply shop, which mm. was really more focused on selling art supplies. Mm. And some places were a little too dark, and some places were a little too busy, and he just didn't like them. Right. And when he found this this studio in Port Credit in Mississauga, it just fit, and right away they they knew. <laughs> so yeah. they supported him through that process by, you know, following like the four steps to building social capital, which I'm sure one of the podcasts will get into later mm-hmm. on, and finding out his interests, looking for a place where he felt comfortable, where it really fit what he wanted mm-hmm. to do. And then they got into that process of understanding how that community operates. Yeah. 
So he made sure he knew where his art supplies were stored, the stuff he needed to bring with him mm-hmm. to set up his station. And within two or three weeks, he was setting up his own workstation and mm-hmm. shooing his support staff away. <laughs> like, I got it from here. I'll yeah. see you in a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then he started to make friends and yeah. get to know people in the huh. class. Yeah. And it was really through that whole process, following from the beginning to the end yeah. and finding places where he, he felt really comfortable right. Right. and then getting out of the way. Yeah. And he was a very successful artist. Yeah. He painted numerous paintings. He has a book out, like a, a mm. visual book out, The World Through My Eyes. Mm. And there's actually, at our Living Arts Center in Mississauga, there's a wall dedicated to Trung's art. Wow. That was on display. Yeah. And yeah. it's still there to this day. Yeah. And now when, and Trung had, has, has passed away a couple of years ago. Mm. But when he was interviewed about being an artist, mm. like the, the line he used was, it was my brother, the doctor, my brother, the lawyer, I'm an artist. Mm. And it really gave him a role yes. in his family yeah. and increased his self-esteem. Yeah. And when he talked to his support staff, because Trung didn't use a lot of words to communicate, mm. as he started to paint more and get to know more people and become more comfortable, he started using more words mm. to, to communicate yeah. and become more expressive yeah. in his language yeah. and just more comfortable yeah. in himself. This is an elegant yeah. story, uh, Jamie, and it really really articulates our, uh, the inclusion process. You know, the thing that, the, the message I'm hearing from, from, the, from, from this story and this conversation is that there's this, there is a process here, right? But there's no magic wand and this doesn't, no. this doesn't happen immediately. No. This and it is doesn't happen every time. And it yeah. may, may have to go back over and over and over again mm-hmm. to make it work. But I always remember uh, Victoria is a support staff who was a team leader in the home where Trung lived. Mm-hmm. And we have done social capital training with all of our team leaders and all of our support staff now. Mm-hmm. But Victoria was part of that first group of team leaders that went through our, our one-day building social capital and community connections workshop. And she'd also seen you speak at yeah. one of our staff development mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. years before. And when I we were telling this story, like I go, this, Victoria, do you want to add anything? And she stood up in the room with like mm-hmm. 40 people. And she's like, this stuff sounds like it's not going to work. But it works. And she goes, and I didn't believe it when I started. Wow. But yeah. she goes, this stuff really works, and yeah. I can prove it to you. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's that, that seeing is believing yeah. kind of thing. That That's really powerful. You know, just a final question that I, I, I think is really is begged in this this point of this conversation, and that is, um, you know, the, the example, the process, the approach uh, that Community Living Mississauga and your team has taken really leads me to a to a to a final question, and that is, like, what's next? Where do you see the movement going? What what challenges are out there now that community living in Mississauga is preparing to embrace or really looking to address uh, in in the next move of inclusion? Yeah, we've thought about that a lot because we are a very progressive organization, mm-hmm. and the social capital training that we offer is just it's like the last training we offer mm-hmm. we have our personal outcome measures and social rule valorization and we're a, an organization that's really heavily based in our values of mm-hmm. inclusion and people being treated right. as people right. and people being respected and mm-hmm. being able to advocate for themselves and and so we provide a lot of that training and I think the next step for us what we're noticing now is that as we support people to be a part of their community more and more that there is still a lot of roadblocks. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the barriers come from the community itself, Mm -hmm. where people in our community just don't have that experience yet of 
getting to know someone who has a disability or being comfortable around people who have a disability. So for us, our next big venture, and I don't know if we'll get there soon, but we really want to look at the idea of collective impact. Mm-hmm. How do we reach out to community partners mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. support and understand what we're doing as an organization, mm-hmm. where the whole community can be a little more understanding yeah. and yeah. provide that community outreach to the whole community. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we've the, done that through the the city of Mississauga in one program, which mm-hmm. I think we'll get to in another mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. section later. Yeah. On. yeah, you know that that transposition that you're you're speaking of that next challenge yeah. of really shifting from a micro to a macro it's kind really of thing. influence our whole community. Yes, it's really yeah. the challenge. Yeah. yeah, it just has this sweeping yeah. uh, impact in in such a broader way. Yeah. And we do it in a number of ways now. We have our, our community-based sites, which are day support programs, which I guess officially are segregated, where people go to one place during the day, but they go out and do things in the community during the day as well. They don't do stuff yeah. in, in the base site all day long. Right. And we have an employment resource center that partners with, I believe, over 40 employers hmm. throughout Mississauga wow. to support people in typical jobs yeah. Yeah, in the community. Wow. And we... We, so we do a lot now to try to build that up, but it's really taking that to the next step. Mm-hmm. That sounds like there's really exciting, and I know by being there that there are really exciting things happening in Mississauga, Jamie. And, and uh, you know, really hats off to your organization, uh, to, to the leadership of the organization and you personally have taken in really advancing this agenda of inclusion with some of these examples. Um, uh, I'm Al Condalusi, and this is... Uh, the uh, Call Me Al podcast. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Jamie Curran, um, who is a quality um, assurance uh, director at uh, Community manager. Quality, quality Assurance Manager, manager. manager. Okay. <laughs> at Community Living Mississauga in in uh, in the Toronto Greater Toronto area. Um, the podcast that uh, we're we're engaging in now, we have an entire series of things. So if you've been um, excited about some of this conversation, some of the things you hear, or if you want to dig deeper into some of the things that uh, Jamie has shared and other things that you might find in these podcasts, stay tuned to um, the Interdependence Network website, uh, which is buildingsocialcapital.org, and you're, you'll find not just other podcasts, but, but a whole series of resources, tools, and, and uh, strategies that will help you continue to advance your agenda, whether you're an individual, a family member, a parent, an organization, uh, or just a community, um, a community stakeholder who's, who's interested in a better, more inclusive community. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you at our next podcast.